Well, last week, I was doing some groceries. And usually, I go shopping for groceries on the same day, at the same time. And when you do that, you sometimes have other people who regularly shop at the same day and same time as you do. So there are regulars that we recognize. And on this particular day, I noticed a regular in my shopping experience, an older man. And this older man lives life at an extremely slow pace. And if I could guess, I would say that if he were walking and whatever the average speed of walking is, he walks about a quarter speed of walking. So if you get behind him and his cart in an aisle way, you have a decision to make. Will you just wait for him as he shuffles his way down the aisle way? Or will you back up, go around the next aisle and come around the other side to get your thing because you will certainly get there before he gets to what you want to get? Also, uh, sometimes I will see the deli counter person leaning across the counter because this man is soft-spoken and he is hard of hearing and so that person is usually working hard to hear what he has to say. And if you get in a checkout line behind this dear old man, you have opportunity to check 50 emails or more or you could write an article on your phone because he gives you the opportunity to have that much time. And it's interesting watching people respond to him. Many are kind, and they just kind of work their way around him. Some show annoyance and frustration, roll their eyes, and many show compassion. And it is beautiful to watch. Sometimes the cashiers will help him bag his groceries, even though they're not allowed to do that technically. Sometimes people will help reach something that he can't reach. And it's beautiful to watch someone show compassion to another unless you're in a hurry. And then that person in need becomes an obstacle. And it becomes easier to treat them like that obstacle rather than a person who is struggling with some different limitations. Yet you and I appreciate it greatly when someone stops to help us. If we get into a big store or a big place and we don't know where to go, we appreciate it when someone intervenes and, and, and reaches out to show us the way. Or if we can't reach something, it helps if someone taller comes along to help us. Or if we're in traffic and we have to merge into a single lane, it helps when another driver waves us in. And then there are those much bigger issues in life. And when they happen, it really helps when others show concern. Yet, yet sometimes that doesn't happen. Or we can wonder if God is really paying attention. We may cry out with the psalmist in Psalm 10, who says and starts that psalm with the question, Why, O oh Lord, do you stand far off? And we wonder, where is God in the midst of this situation I find myself? Or when multiple bad things happen at once, we wonder, God, are you paying attention? We wonder about his heart for us. So what kind of a heart does God have for struggling people? And, and this is the question we're going to be asking every week in this new series of messages that we're looking at. What kind of a heart does God have for us? What kind of a heart does Jesus 
have for us? Where is he at when we are really struggling or suffering? And last week we learned that Jesus is gentle and lowly in heart, meaning that he is the most understanding person in the universe and that he is accessible to us. And this week we're going to get another answer to the question, what kind of heart does Christ have for us? And how do we receive what he has for us? And if you are today struggling with something that is troubling you or tormenting you or you have some major thing that's just right there in your center vision, I pray that you will experience and receive what Jesus has for you today as we discover more of his heart. And so would you find Matthew 9 verses 35 to 38 in your Bibles or on your devices or on the screen behind me? Matthew 9 verses 35 to 38 and this passage follows a whole bunch of information about Jesus' interaction with many people. So Matthew 9, verses 35 to 38. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd and then he said to his disciples the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few therefore pray earnestly to the lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field so jesus has interacted in many different ways with people and in situations in the verses preceding our passage matthew 8 and matthew 9 he cleanses a leper and in the first service i said he cleanses a leopard which he can also do but he cleanses a leper he heals a centurion's servant from a distance he calms a storm he heals two men with demons. He heals a paralytic. He brings a dead girl back to life. He heals a woman who has suffered with a discharge of blood for 12 years. He heals two blind men. He heals a mute man. And sprinkled throughout these encounters, Jesus teaches about the cost of following him and the need to fellowship with society's outcasts and the reality of life in the kingdom. And Matthew then summarizes all this in verse 35, where he says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, and he did three things. He taught in the synagogues, he proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom, and he healed every disease and affliction. And all of these brought hope and encouragement to the people. Yet, Jesus paid careful attention to them. And in verse 36, we see Matthew describe Jesus' response to the reality of people's lives. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. So here we see another aspect of Jesus' heart. Jesus has a compassionate heart. But what is compassion? And compassion is sympathetic pity and care for someone who suffers. So the word passion comes from the Latin pati, which means suffer. So passion 
originally meant suffering. And you hear about the passion of the Christ, the suffering of the Christ. But passion has come to mean strength of feeling, anger, and strong romantic attraction. But none of those meanings has translated into the word compassion. There in compassion, passion still means suffering. And combined with the prefix calm, compassion means to suffer with another. So Jesus feels this when he sees the crowds. And notice he had compassion for them. He felt a desire to suffer with them. And the word used for compassion here in Matthew 9 means to be moved to the inward parts. So Jesus had a gut reaction to what he saw in the crowds, in the people. It's not like he casually observed, oh, I perceive over there are people that are suffering. No, he was moved deeply in his heart. Well, what was in the crowds that moved him to such compassion? And Matthew tells us, for they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So what does it mean to be harassed? Well, you experience harassment when you're subject to aggressive pressure or intimidation. And it can also involve repeated small-scale attacks. So someone constantly bugs you, constantly looks for ways to tear you down. And when opportunity arises, they are looking for a way to torment you in some way. And when you look at the people who Jesus helped in Matthew 8 and 9 prior to this passage, you see harassed people. The men afflicted by demons were harassed by their demons, constantly oppressing them and harassing them. We talked last week about the harassment of the religious leaders against the people. The religious leaders supposed to be the people's comfort, instead constantly harassing them with rules and things that the people had forgotten, constantly telling them what they had done wrong. And the people also lived under the harassment of a military occupation by Rome and an oppressive tax system and a life where your very survival was often called into question every year, multiple times because of the poverty throughout the entire population. And you and I can experience harassment just by living in a fallen world. We definitely experience the harassment of the enemy. He does not rest. He does not give us time off. Constantly looking for ways to bring us down. To move us away from the Lord. And sometimes life itself can seem like one headache after another. Yet Jesus had a heart of compassion for those who were harassed. And we also see Jesus had a heart of compassion for the helpless. Think about the people Jesus encountered prior to these verses. Most of them had incurable diseases or impossible situations, like leprosy or paralysis or blindness, muteness, and the girl who died. And we can experience situations of helplessness. Think about the death of a loved one. We are helpless to change that after it happens. Or when we or a loved one gets an untreatable illness or a terminal diagnosis, we seem helpless, are helpless to change it. Maybe there is strife in your life, in your family, some situation that you might be connected to or might not, but it constantly affects your life and you 
don't have the power to change it. Maybe you have an obstinate manager, a difficult employee, an angry owner, an unfair professor. Maybe you're trying to deal with a difficult organization or bureaucracy and you feel helpless to do anything about it. But Jesus does not sit back and purposefully ignore us in these situations. Jesus does not dispassionately look at people with long-term illnesses or conditions or difficult situations. He cares. He gets involved. Like in Matthew 8, 16 and 17. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Jesus has compassion for the helpless. And notice the image Matthew uses to portray the condition of the harassed and helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. So if sheep don't have a shepherd, they can get lost, hungry, and serve as easy prey for predators. And though real life for these people involved times of harassment and helplessness, if they at least had shepherds, they might help the people through them and through their tough times. And yet these people were like sheep without a shepherd. So they had to try to survive on their own. Yet Jesus had compassion for them. And as I was thinking about this, a question came to mind that I thought worth exploring. What good is compassion anyway? I mean, what difference does it really make to the suffering person? If compassion is sympathetic pity or to suffer with, does it really help? And I could think of several ways compassion helps those suffering. One, compassion helps a sufferer know they're not alone. And pain or difficult circumstances bring their own trouble. And we can begin to think, and believe we're, we're the only ones who are going through this or no one else knows what this situation is like we can't find anyone who seems to understand or deal with what we're going through and yet when someone comes along to tr- suffer with us and they don't know what it's like what we're going through but they're just there to suffer with us it helps somehow it helps that's why we have funerals and memorial services even though they're painful They give permission for those suffering to grieve and others to gather around them in support. Compassion also helps bring fuller or broader perspective to the sufferer. Again, think about losing a loved one. When we lose a loved one to death, we are focused on our loss, and rightly so. It is painful. It hurts. And someone comes along and they show compassion to us. They want to suffer with us, and they knew our loved one. And they share with us something about our loved one and how what they said, what they did has changed this person's life or continues to influence today. And suddenly we have a bit broader perspective beyond just our loss to, oh, my loved one and their influence will go on in the life of this person. And compassion also helps us keep going. Sometimes when really difficult things come into our lives, we physically and mentally feel like collapsing. We don't know if we can do the next thing. And then someone calls or brings a meal or writes a card or sits to pray with us. And it somehow gives us a little strength 
or encouragement to get up and do the next thing. And compassion can lead to helpful action on behalf of the one who is suffering. Did you notice that the passage does not end with Jesus showing compassion to the people? He acts. He commands his disciples to do something. Verse 37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. That will directly benefit those who are harassed and helpless. So Jesus' compassionate response led to action to help those suffering. The disciples needed to pray earnestly for the Lord to send out laborers. And when I was growing up, and I grew up in the church, this passage, uh, as I was reflecting on it, always meant, when I was growing up, go into the harvest field and proclaim the gospel, the good news, and bring people to Christ. So get people to become Christians. And, and, and I grew up thinking that is the primary message and meaning of this passage. And it is Certainly important, but what really struck me in preparing this message today was he said, go out and pray for harvesters because the harvest is ripe. And here are people who are helpless and harassed. So harvesting not only involves bringing people the good news that can bring them to the Lord, but also bringing them the good news of the kingdom that God cares about you right now that God wants to be involved in your life. That harvesting also involves ministry and to bring God's compassion to those who are harassed and helpless. So we see biblical compassion involves more than suffering with the sufferer. It also involves action on behalf of the one suffering. And God has demonstrated such a compassionate heart throughout history. You may have heard or you may believe that the God of the Old Testament is profoundly different than the God of the New Testament. You may have heard something like the God of the Old Testament is a God of wrath and anger and the God of the New Testament is a God of love and forgiveness. And certainly we have to deal with the wrath and anger of God that is found throughout the Bible in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. But we also have to deal with the compassion of God that is found in the Old Testament and the New Testament. So listen to these Old Testament verses about God. Psalm 103.13, for example. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Isaiah 49, verse 15. Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you, says the Lord. So he's saying that a woman who naturally would have compassion for the child of their womb, sometimes even they don't show compassion, but the Lord will never cease to show compassion for those who love him and for those he loves his people. Isaiah 54, 8, in overflowing anger for a moment, I hid my face from you, but with everlasting love, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord. Old Testament verses about the compassion of God. 
And then we see Jesus' heart of compassion again and again throughout his ministry. And Dane Ortland, who wrote the book Gentle and Lowly that we're basing this series on, writes about Jesus' compassion. And he says, when the leper says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean, Jesus immediately stretches out his hand and says, I will be clean. And the word will in both the leper's request and Jesus' answer is the word desire. So the leper deeply desired healing and Jesus deeply desired to heal him. Jesus has compassion bursting out of him when the leper appeals. Or when a group of men brings their paralyzed friend to Jesus and lowers him through the roof, Jesus does not even wait for them to ask for anything. He's filled with compassion and he immediately says, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven, and then heals his paralysis as well. This compassion, Ortland says, comes in waves over and over again in Jesus' ministry. It moves him to heal the sick, like in Matthew 14, 14, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Feed the hungry. I have compassion on the crowd because they've been with me three days and have had nothing to eat. Teach the crowds, Mark 6, 34, and he had compassion on them and began to teach them. Wipe away the tears of the bereaved, Luke 7, 13. And he had compassion on her and said, do not weep. Ortland writes, if compassion clothed itself in a human body and went walking around on the earth, what would it look like? And he answers, because of Jesus, we don't have to wonder. Yet you might say, well, that's great for the people that were living when Jesus was walking on the earth when my life is difficult and really tough Jesus is not going to walk into my house and put his hand on my shoulder and comfort me and heal me true but we also must keep in mind the testimony of the new testament like Hebrews 13 8 which says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever. And Ortland writes, the same Christ who wept at the tomb of Lazarus weeps with us in our lonely despair. The same one who reached out and touched the leper's hand puts his arm around us today when we feel misunderstood and sidelined. And the Jesus who reached out and cleansed messy sinners reaches into our souls, answers our half-hearted pleas for mercy, with the mighty, invincible cleansing of one who cannot bear to do otherwise. And I have seen tangible examples of Jesus' compassion in my own life. Sometimes it comes through a hymn or a song where he reminds me of his deep love for me. Sometimes he touches our spirit with a sense of his presence or love. Sometimes he shows compassion through the devotional work of others. Remember one Christmas around, or one year around Christmas, I was going through a rough time ministry-wise and wondered about my place in ministry and wondered whether God kind of knew what was going on in my heart. And the reading that day included Psalm 147, verse 4, which says, He determines the number of stars and he gives to all of them their names. 
How many stars are there in the universe? And just in our Milky Way, scientists estimate it's 100 billion stars. So, so God names and knows the name of 100 billion stars just in our galaxy. And we are of infinite more worth to God than stars. So if God can know every star by name, and he has that capacity, he certainly knows about our troubles, about our situation, and that greatly comforted me through the work of another writer. Sometimes he sends other Christians into our lives to show compassion, or he draws my attention to resources that can help me, trusted counselors, helpful books, wise podcasts, insightful people. Sometimes he places people in our lives that show compassion to us almost every time we encounter them. My wife does this for me. She gives me great perspective and she listens and prays and I get to experience that little saying, a burden shared is a burden halved with her all the time as she listens and prays and gives me perspective. And I don't want this to come across like Jesus delegates his compassion to other people or other sources. It's like Jesus has a multi-phased approach to show compassion to his people. So when we go through times when we're feeling harassed and helpless, Jesus does not sit back with, with crossed arms to observe what might happen. He steps forward with open arms to get involved and to help. So how can we go about receiving Jesus' compassion? And by asking that question, I don't mean, well, you know, we have to go and somehow tap into and, and, and stimulate Jesus to show compassion because otherwise he won't do it. No, Jesus is always compassionate, but we need to take a posture that will receive his compassion. For sometimes we will not receive what Jesus has for us because of our pride because of our independence, because of our refusal to admit need. And Jesus might be offering his compassion, and we're just sitting there saying, oh, no, I'm okay. So how do we receive Jesus' compassion? First, admit that you are harassed and helpless when that happens in your life. Admit you're harassed and helpless. And if we don't do that, it's unlikely we will seek the Lord's compassion. Second, in prayer, lay before the Lord your harassed and helpless situation. And, and sometimes to, we, we, we need help to guide us in that. The psalmists lay out a pattern for us. You will see several psalms where the psalmist cries out in despair, describes the situation to the Lord, and then gains clarity. And I've included for you in the back page of your bulletin, if you're feeling harassed, there's some psalms for you to pray there. If you're feeling helpless, there's some other psalms that you can pray through there. And once we've done that, we've laid the situation in prayer before the Lord, we need to stop to receive his compassion and help. As I said last week, sometimes we ask in prayer and then we run off to our day and we don't listen for the ways that God is helping us or what he is saying to us. So we read, we pray, we stop, we wait, we listen and receive from the Lord, what he has for us, which happened to me on Friday this past week as well. I woke up, I was a bit troubled about a few things, 
And I just laid this before the Lord in my little journal. I wrote out, these things are bugging me, Lord. And then I went to my readings, and Psalm 9 was in my readings. And I came to verse 18, which says, But God will never forget the needy. The hope of the afflicted will never perish. And that was just incredibly reassuring to me that my hope will never die. There will be no reason for it to ever die because I serve Jesus Christ, my living hope, who will live eternally. And suddenly, my day turned. My perspective turned. God showed compassion to me in that moment. So we receive the Lord's compassion and help, and we also need to pay attention to the Lord's instruction for us to show compassion to others. Remember, Jesus not only showed compassion for the harassed and helpless, he commanded his disciples to pray earnestly that harvesters be sent into the harvest field. And you and I need to be ready and available to show compassion for the people that the Lord brings to mind in our lives. Colossians 3.12 is a great verse about this. So the last point there is respond to his prompts to have compassion for others and help them. Colossians 3.12, put on then as God's holy chosen ones, or God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, number one, first thing, compassionate hearts. So this is not some optional thing for Christians that, you know, are a little bit more on that side of compassion. Everyone is called to compassionate hearts for one another. And as we grow in Christ-likeness, he will grow in us a compassionate heart. For others. So Jesus' compassion for the harassed and helpless brings hope and help to those who will receive it. What kind of heart does Jesus have for you? A compassionate heart. He has compassion for you and leans forward to act on your behalf when you are suffering. And as we close today, I'd like us to practice what we've just learned, the pathway to receiving Jesus' compassion. And so will you just bow your head with me? And, and in your mind, in your heart, admit that you're experiencing harassment or a feeling of helplessness in, in some area of your life. And then with that in mind, that harassment, that helplessness, lay it before the Lord. Say, Lord, you know about this situation. Lay it before him. This person. And, and now, with that helpless or harassed situation laid before the Lord, receive from him his compassion. See Jesus for who he really is, the one who reaches out his hand generously to the leper to heal, the one who can't wait for the friends of the paralytic to even ask for anything, but, but, but steps out right away and says, your sins are forgiven the one who intervenes with the weeping woman who is about to bury her son and say, woman, do not weep. Receive his compassion for you. 
and watch for his help, his intervention, his strength for the next day, for the next hours. Lord Jesus, you know about every situation being thought about right now. Every harass, harassment, every helpless feeling, you know them better than we do. And we lift them before you, Lord. And we praise you that you are not a Lord who is hard to get a hold of, who books appointments a year down the road. You are ready and available right now to hear our concerns, to show us compassion, to help us. And so, Lord, we receive your compassion today. And we ask for your empowering to show it to others.